August 12, 2022, we're in Masechet Sanhedrin on Dafkof Amud Aleph. If you count from the bottom up, it's seven lines up, just a few words onto the line, two, four, six, eight, and maybe eight words onto the line. It says the Gemara, Ki ata Ravdimi. When Ravdimi arrived, Ravdimi, the Gemara, mentions these words with regards to him in several contexts, many contexts. He studied in Eres Yisrael, and then he returned to Bavel. When he returned to Bavel, he came with all sorts of traditions and learnings and teachings that he learned there. Amar, he taught the following, Atid HaKadosh Baruch Hu Liten Lekol Tzadik V'Sadik Melo Umso. In the future, HaKadosh Baruch Hu's reward to each one of the righteous people will be Melo Umso. Melo Umso, loosely translated, I don't know exactly how they translate it there, means handful, or the full hand of God will be handed over to each one of the righteous people. In other words, in terms of reward for their good doing, for their righteous deeds, they'll be, they'll be receiving Melo Umso. Shene Emar, as the Pasuk says, Baruch Adonai, Yom Yom Ya Amos Lanu. Ha'el Yeshu'atenu Sela. The Pasuk talks about Ya Amos Lanu, the Gemara's derasha, and understanding as a Melo Umso. It's going to be this full, uh, handful um, uh, uh, giving of zechut, of merit, of reward for the, for the righteous deeds. Amale Abaye, Abaye, turns to Rabdimi in Bavel and asks him, Vechi Efshalom Arken? Is it possible? Now, certainly we're not talking about actual hands of HaGadosh Baruch Hu, but even to talk about a full capacity, could you even fathom such a concept with regards to God and human beings? Doesn't the Pasuk describe with regards to the strength and the uh, all uh, presence and capabilities of God? The Pasuk describes how uh, the waters are, uh, of, of the heavens are uh, in some way or fashion just like in between the fingers of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, which means to say God's abilities, God's strengths, God's capacities are infinite. To imagine all the waters that come from the heavens, that come from the skies, as just uh, fitting in between. Again, this is not to be taken literally. He doesn't have a hand. But in the hand of God, so you can't, in turn, says Abaye, imagine that we will receive, or the righteous ones will receive, that full bounty with regards to the Melo Umso of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's too much. It's not, uh, it's not uh, fit for the capacity of human beings. Um, so it says the Gemara that um, Ravdimi responds to Abaye, Amar, Why is it that you're not well-versed? Why is it that you're not studying Agada enough? In other words, that's a zing at Abaye. He turns to Abaye and says, Abaye, you might be good at halakha. You might be good at deriving law and maybe the pilpul of Shaklavitarya and the Gemara. Abaye and Rava are our top guys. But with regards to Agada, with regards to explaining and expounding upon those passages in the Torah, Nevi'im and Ketubim, which are not halachic, not law in nature, I don't know that you've been so shakiach. You haven't been... Uh, relevant enough, you haven't been present enough because you don't know. Out in Eretz Israel, says Rav Dimit Abaye, we learned the following: Hakadosh Baruch Hu 
ve'osrotehem amaleh. The famous statement of the rabbi says that in the future, again, not to be taken in the literal physical sense, because we're talking about in the future, in the afterlife, but the description is that we'll have these 310 worlds of reward. Now, 310 worlds of reward, the word in the pasuk, yesh, uh, the Pasuk says, Lehanchil, to give an uh, inheritance of Ohaveh, those who love him, those who abide by his laws. Yesh, Yesh is Shin Yod. Shin is 300 in Gematria. Yod is 10. Yesh Gematria. Yesh in Gematria says the Gemara is Telat Me'ave Asara Haveh. It's 310. The description in turn, the response of Ravdimi to Abaye is, Abaye, you're a little narrow thinking with regards to your understanding of this. You're imagining this as a regular circumstance. You forgot that in the afterlife, we'll have full capacities, 310, a significant number for other reasons, 310 worlds of capacity for filling with reward. So to now suggest that God will give his full hand uh, to us with regards to reward is not so out there. Tanya says the Gemara, we have a similar concept which is recorded in a Beraita, Bimeir Omer, but this Beraita is a little bit more expansive in its interpretation. It's not only with regards to our relationship with God, it's with regards to our relationship with others and certainly with God as well. Bimidashe Adam Moded. The same way that you measure out to others, so too it's measured to you. If you're a giving person to others, generally speaking, there'll be a certain reciprocity from the people around you, from the community, from the society at large, with regards to their encounter, their engagement with you, they'll be those who are giving to you as well. Can I say that this is tried and tested? I could. Could I say it's a foolproof? It's not. But the concept, I think, would ring true to each of us in circumstances where we have a certain fluidity, a certain ability to give to others. We oftentimes find that others stretch over to us. Dichtiv, as the Pasuk says, it's a derasha on this Pasuk, it's not peshat, this is a pasuk with regards to uh, Misraim, to the Egyptians in Sefer Yeshaya, and it's uh, the se'a, the, the derasha of that word, se'a is a measurement, and the derasha is the se'a for the se'a. If I give you a measurement of se'a, if I give you a pound, you return to me, or it will return to me that same pound, a se'a for a se'a, so a pound for a pound, and the concept over here, as they sent us forth, as we got redeemed and, uh, and taken out of the exile of Egypt, there was on them a se'a for a se'a, they got punished, a midah keneged midah. Amar b'yoshua v'chiev shalomar ken, said Rabbi Yoshua in response to Rabbi Meir, this was Rabbi Meir's statement, the way that you measure to others, so too it's measured back to you, you, says Rabbi Yoshua, is it possible to say that way? Keep in mind when we talk about this measurement, we're not just with regards to what others give you, it's with regards to what God will give you as well. Adam noten melo umso le'ani ba'olam hazeh. You'll give your handful of, of what you have from your capacity, from your efforts and strengths and, and, and possessions to a poor person in this world. Could you possibly suggest, and keep in mind, this is very similar to the Abaye response earlier to Rav Dimi, do you think that God is going to reward you if you gave your full effort in this world by Him giving us, so to speak, his full efforts, his handful, doesn't that same pasuk that we referenced earlier say, the pasuk describes how HaKadosh Baruch Hu has the heavens 
in that zeret tiken in between his fingers. Well, that being the case, it's impossible that we receive as we give commensurate to who the giver and takers are. Now the response in turn of Rabbi Meir to Rabbi Yoshua, that's the back and forth. Rabbi Meir said, the way that you measure to others, so too it gets given back to you. Rabbi Yoshua said, impossible, because God is another and you can't receive his melo umso. Response would be, be Meir, but even you, Rabbi Yoshua, you have to agree to this to a certain extent. Uh, let's, let's break this down. Let's start with the first question. What is greater with regards to the measurement of reward or punishment from God? How does he go above and beyond best? In what circumstance do you get more than the other? You have to agree. It says that you have to agree that with regards to God's punishment versus or vis-a-vis his reward, we get rewarded as per the promises of the Torah in a greater way, the Gemara will suggest in a moment, four times the way that we get punished. On the one hand, Pasuk describing the man in the desert has this reference to how the heavens opened up Delet is a measurement, and it's twofold delatot, fell from the heavens with regards to the man. So that's a measurement. Two delatot, midat puranu tu omer, and then when it says by the mabul, the aruvot shamayim niftahu, the pasuk says that the aruvot, an aruva is also a measurement. It means like a storehouse, but it means it's a measurement as well. Rashi cites from the Gemara Masechet Yoma that there are four aruvot in each delet, which means to say if there were two delatot with regards to the man, the good stuff that fell, and two aruvot of the mayim, the bad stuff that fell, it means if we're comparing one to the other, it's four times the good to the bad. So that's first things first, says Rabbi Meir to Rabbi Yoshua. Let's compare and understand from our understanding of the Pesukim, our derashot, which one's greater with regards to God's correspondence, his interaction with the world. It's midat tovah, it's the goodness that he showers upon us. Now, bemidat puranut ketiv, and then if you look at when, it, when the Pasuk describes the, the punishment, the bad stuff that will befall those who do wrong, the Pasuk says in Sefer Yeshaya, this Scary description. There's this, this eternal rotting of the flesh and a constant a fire which is, which is burning. Uh, that's a scary description. Uh, that's not the way it works in this world. A constant fire, that's with regards to midat pur'anut. Can you imagine being constantly consumed? Wait a second. In this world, if you were to extend even just your finger into the fire, you're immediately burnt. Your finger is scorched and burnt. Uh, can you imagine? How is it possible that we could fathom a time during which it's just a constant fire to the body of the individual. Clearly, in the future, we're able to envision or to accept something that will transcend the confines of nature in this world. That's with regards to the evil, to the punishment that we're going to receive. Pause for a second. What we learned just a moment ago, 
evil punishment is four times the goodness. Rabbi Meir is turning to Rabbi Yoshua and it's this way a second. Your claim to me, Rabbi Yoshua, was it's impossible that we're going to be able to merit and to inherit all that goodness from God? Uh, do you have that pasuk? The pasuk says in Sefer Yeshayahu that we're going to have, if we do wrong, this constant furnace of fire underneath us. Well, that's beyond the confines of our regular understanding. The same way that God, in some, of course, metaphysical, above and beyond our capacity to understand way, will give to the wicked ones in the future the capability to, the capacity to receive punishment beyond regular uh, circumstances. So too it will be for the righteous ones, we should all merit to be amongst them, to receive to receive that full amount and beyond full amount in the way that human beings could receive from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Right, that's the end of those derashot. The Gemara goes back to the Mishnah. If you recall, the Mishnah had several circumstances of where a person loses their chilek la'olam haba. And so we were just dealing with a person who's haomer Torah and omina shamayim. We then dealt with apikoros. Now the Gemara deals with that statement of Rabbi Akiva. You see, Rabbi Akiva's statement was, af hakore b'sifarim chitzonim. If it's a, per, a person who's reading the external, the outside books, and the Gemara is going to deal with First, what are they? And second, well, what's rotten in them or in some of them? And again, it's a reference to a person who loses in the eyes of the rabbis their portion in the world to come. So we're not dealing with someone who's heke reading it and we say maybe a better idea not to. This is a person whom we're supposed to turn to and say, distance yourself from this. This is going to take away from major merit. Tana says the Gemara, what is? Sifarim chitzonim besifre sidukim. The first interpretation in the Gemara is sifre sidukim. Sidukim is the, the, the sect of Jews during the time of the second Beit HaMikdash who did not interpret the Torah based on what we know to be the tradition of Torah Shba'opeh, rather from the strict letter of the text way. In other words, they read the Pesukim and without going into tradition, they did their own Gezerah Shavah, interestingly, but any of the traditions that we have with regards to the ways to explain and the traditions of what the interpretation is of the Pesukim, that's the Siduki uh, uh, way of, of interpreting. That's what we refer to. It's a person who takes himself off of the Torah Shba'opeh path. In my Gemara, there's a little letter and it says, Ayin Barif Ubarosh. Rif and Rosh record, if I'm not mistaken, the old text to this Gemara. The old text of this Gemara is Tana Besifre Minim. It's not a reference to the books of those who, who scoff at Torah Peh, but rather to the heretics, more specifically, the Christians. The old version of Rashi as well said Sifre Minim Galachim. Galachim means the, the Christians, the Christian priests, the Christian uh, fathers, and church, and so forth. That's what we're referring to here in our Gemara. La Minim Vela Malshinim. Anyone who knows the history knows as a reference specifically in its early stages and continued stages to the Christians. Those are the ones who were threatening us most and as a result that's the fear. That's the Sefarim Chitzonim. Rav Yosef Amar this next opinion is Ah, uh, excuse me, Besefer Ben Sirah Name Asur Lemikre. Even reading from a book called Ben Sirah is forbidden. Now, is that a part of the Sefarim Chisonim? The fact that it's mentioned in this context makes it appear as if it is so. 
What is Ben Sira? Ben Sira is an ancient book. There's a dispute about exactly when it was composed, but ancient, going all the way back, and canonized by specific sects of Christianity. Catholicism has it as part of their canon, of their holy books. That's Ben Sira. The statement here is, Ben Sira, although a book of wisdom, says Rav Yosef, you should not be reading from it. Before we move onward in the Gemara, because pretty much the rest of the Amud is trying to figure out what's so wrong with that book, you should just know first from their discussion in our Gemara, uh, it's clear that the rabbis had a certain grasp of what's written in this book, a very clear one. Furthermore, there's several noteworthy Gemarot in which the rabbis are not only accepting, but they're almost embracing of the book Ben Sirah. So it'll only provoke the question, what are we getting all nervous about over here? For example, the Gemara Masechet Bava Kaman Daf Sadibet has a statement. It doesn't matter the specifics for our purpose right now, but it's one of these statements where the rabbis say, this matter, this concept is repeated threefold in Torah, in Nevi'im, and Ketubim. It cites a pasuk from Torah to support the notion. Then it quotes a pasuk from Nevi'im to support it furthermore. And then it quotes for the Ketubim, I don't know, what are we hoping for? Tehilim, maybe Megillat Esther, maybe Ruth, something like that. It quotes from Ben Sirah, the statement of the Gemara. Their expression is, it's in Navi, Torah, and Kitubim, and the Kitubim source is this book, Ben Sirah. And our Gemara statement is, stay far away from Ben Sirah. Lastly, before we move onward in reading this, Rashi's interpretation, based on what the Gemara's continued words are, and Harambam is Perusha Mishnayot has something similar, is the specific danger of this Ben Sirah book is that it's Divre Havai, that it's matters of, iniqui- of nonsense. That's what he seems to have in mind. And the Gemara searches for the words of nonsense because it does find many words of wisdom in it. Uh, Rashi says it brings to Bitul Torah, to just taking yourself away from Torah. It's a, it's a, it's a shocking statement. That's what loses your portion in the world to come because you're mevatel Torah. Rashi writes, It's a fascinating thing. There's got to be something else going on over here. What are we so nervous about? In the book Margaliot Hayam, Rabbi Reuven Margaliot, he suggests that Ben Sirah, as I mentioned a moment earlier, I don't know if he articulates it exactly like this, it's been some time since I saw it, but he articulates it perhaps differently, but as I mentioned earlier, the Catholics and others accepted Ben Sirah as part of their canon, it's part of their holy books. To in turn, in our Gemara, be talking about reading from it, that's a dangerous statement, specifically during a time where that split between Christianity, early Christianity and Judaism was not strong enough yet, this would be a major claim that they could use against us. You see, even you embrace this book, and uh, we have it, and you should be embracing it. It could and would be some sort of danger with regards to our interaction with them. And secondly, with regards to safeguarding what we knew to be the canon. No, but I'm just reading the, you're just reading Aristotle, I could discuss, but you're just reading Ben Sirah, that's really on the line. That's where we're discussing what separates us and what defines our canon as opposed to theirs. Certainly. They have it in, translated into English. There are scholarly Hebrew editions. We have it through and through in Greek. I mean, that's, we, we certainly have it. Not to read it well, again, the question is if we're not reading it or we're not indulging, we're not uh, overdoing our study of it. In other words, this, and, and that, that should be my last step on all of this, even though the words of Rabbi Yosef is to read at all, what's clear is the rabbis read from it. 
There's a famous teshuvah from Rivash and from Rashba in which they struggle with philosophy and how Harambam wrote his Moreh Nebuchim after having read, together with it, Plato, Aristotle, and many of the Islamic philosophers of his time and beforehand. And so what they suggest is he knew to call a Torah kula beforehand, and then in order to, in order to deal with the others, so he studied those texts as well, and if you do it in such a fashion, permitted. That's how they state it. Ritva, other, and others, in context of this Gemara as well, they suggest, listen, when we talk about not being Kore, we talk about not being Kore as a Sefer Kodesh, as part of Torah, Nevi'im, and Ketubim. To read it as a way, a vantage point, with a certain skepticism to, to appreciate knowledge, well, that, was, that was never debated. I mean, Haga Atzmecha, we talk about in, in Shohan Aruch, reading you know, newspapers of sorts, allowed to do that when I'll let read Ben Sirah. Uh, so again, it's, it's about making it your primary, let's call it religious focus as well. Says the Gemara, Amar le Abaye, Abaye turns to Rav Yosef and asks, My ta'ama, what's the problem, what's the danger inherent in this book Ben Sirah? Ilema, maybe it's Mishum de Katav Be, because it says in it, funny and silly, nonsensical information. That's the problem with it, perhaps. Lo tintosh gildana meudne de la lezil mashche lehavela. Rashi interprets this, it's hard Aramaic words over here. Rashi says it means lo titol oroshil dag, don't take the skin off of a fish, afil me'al ozno, even meudne from its ear, because you are losing and wasting that, uh, that skin of the fish. Ela, rather, says the Gemara, Rather, you should burn it in the fire, light it up with the fire, that, that skin of the fish, and then eat it together with two loaves of bread. I gave you all this preparation. I told you it's a book of knowledge. That's what the Rav Yosef and Abaye are saying. Ah, it's got so much nonsense. Maybe that's knowledge as well. But look in between the lines. Look at these statements. That's a statement. You're wasting your time reading statements about eating skin off a fish. Although, I have heard recently that the skin of fish is the most healthy part. And maybe he preceded us that. But I think you're not supposed to burn it. You lose certain parts of the nutrients. Anyway, that being the case, maybe that's the issue, specifically says Abaye. Says, that can't be the reason. We have a pasuk which teaches the same concept in the Torah. You're getting lost in the trees instead of seeing the forest. The forest over here is the concept. The trees are the specifics. You read the specifics and you said it's talking about the skin off the ear of a fish. It's, ah, nonsense. No, no, understand what it's saying. It's saying even the skin off of the ear of the fish don't waste that. It's a statement more than anything. We're going to quote a pasuk in the Torah about not being wasteful, about not taking something that can be resourceful, can be useful, and just use and just wasting and throwing it away. That's what it means. So you've read Ben Sirah too literally without realizing the overarching message. The pasuk in the Torah says, You're not allowed to just cut down trees without a purposeful use for them. As a result, I can't accept that was your issue with it. The problem with the book Ben Sirah is that it's nonsense. It's divrei havai. This is not divrei havai. Be'oraitana meketib. It says it in the Torah as well. No, maybe it's because there's another underlying message over here with regards to that not being wasteful. Maybe it's because of the derasha, the deeper meaning of this verse in the book Ben Sirah. 
What's the deeper meaning? It teaches us a way of life. What's the way of life? How's that relevant to me? That I should eat everything more than eating everything. You're not supposed to have uh, uh, relations with a, with a woman in a way in which you're, you're, you're not in, inseminating because that's wasteful. If you're wasteful, if you're that's a wrongful way of having relations. As a result, says, says uh, Abayi, I can't understand your problem with this book. On the one hand, maybe it's because of that silly pasuk, pasuk not so silly. Maybe it's because of the interpretation of that pasuk. We have such a concept in our religion as well of not being wasteful with regards to our relations with women and 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 and, uh, and the other sex. Maybe it's because of another pasuk, or excuse me, another verse in this book, Ben Sirah, but le'avia matmonet shav. It says in Ben Sirah, a woman to her father is a matmonet shav. Matmonet means something that's hidden. Shav means meaningless, worthless. She's a worthless hidden treasure. Mipahta, because of your fear as a father for her, lo yishan balayla, you won't sleep at night. Bekatnuta, uh, when she's younger, it says in Ben Sira in this book, Shemetit Pate, you're staying up at night because you're nervous, she's going to be seduced to relations. Bina'aruta, when she's a little bit older and she's uh, getting more mature adolescent time, Shemetizne, you're nervous that she's going to be promiscuous with her sexual activity. Bagra, when she gets to be fully mature, you're nervous about her, Shemelotinase, maybe she won't get married. Literally, at all times, staying up, worrying, nervous, anxiety stricken by your daughter. Niset, when she even gets married, you're nervous then that she won't have children. Hiskina, when she gets even older and has children, you're nervous that she's going to get in, interested in witchcraft and sorcery, as the rabbis already told us earlier in this Masechet, we're nervous about specifically with women. Okay, so maybe that's the problem, says Abayet Rav Yosef. That was your problem? It's a funny pasuk. It's a description of fathers being nervous about their daughters because ah, maybe that's the nonsense. Not so fast. Little do you know it. I say to you, but Abaye says to Rav Yosef, our rabbis have similar statements. We have a similar statement from the rabbis with regards to a father and his, his, his nervousness and the issues with daughters. On the one hand, the rabbis, and please don't repeat this one to your wives or your sisters or your daughters. This is not the greatest uh, equal gender uh, opportunity Gemara over here. This is Gemara, uh, the rabbi said, listen, we admit it. You can't have a world that doesn't have procreation, which is only possible through male and female. However, Ashrem Misha Banav Zecharim. How praiseworthy, how wonderful is it, how happy is the life of a person who has children who are sons, who are males. Oilo, woe is to the person, who has daughters instead. Don't overdo this, please. It says the Gemara, Ela, rather, Mishum Dichtiv. Period. So that's that's the response of Abaye to Rav Yosef. Rav Yosef, your issue with the pasuk, with the book Ben Sira is because it describes the problem of having daughters. Our rabbis also, our rabbis also have a certain issue 
and nervousness and anxiety with regards to daughters. They talk about the, uh, the importance of having sons in contrast to daughters. That's a statement, again, Ben Sirah is talking about it in the practical sense. This Gemara might be, that statement of the rabbis might be, if you deep, dig a little bit deeper, it might be a philosophical notion with regards to the difference between masculinity and femininity. There's different natures, which we've discussed on other occasions, different types of classes, with regards to a male uh, um, a nature existence as opposed to female. Male nature is generally just in terms of philosophically speaking, is the is the um, is the direct uh, go get em, uh, feature. The word uh, zakhar uh, is is uh, in the in the Aramaic is something that is um, that that's making a change, whereas the nukba is something that's just receiving. So the description, more than anything, from the rabbinic standpoint, conceptually might be with regards to our approach to this world. Are we just people who let it happen to us? We just receive. We're just the people who are and are going with the flow and letting the tide carry us? Or alternatively, do we have the masculine? You could be a feminine who ha- female who has that masculine approach. You could be the male who has the feminine approach. That perhaps is the deeper meaning. But regardless, says the Gemara, that can't be the problem with the book of Ben Sirah. Maybe it's because of a different different uh, statement in Ben Sirah. The, pas- the statement in Ben Sirah is, You should not let rise in your heart, in your mind, worry. Because strong men, worry, anxiety has killed even the strongest. That's the problem with the book Ben Sirah. That's what you're nervous about. Abaye says to Rav Yosef, Hashilomo Amara. We have a pasuk that Shilomo in Sefer Mishle expressed. The same idea. If there's fear, if there's anxiety, if there's nervousness in the heart and mind of a person, of a man, yeshchenna. Yeshchenna in its simple interpretation means it'll bring him down. The rabbis in a moment will be very psychologically compelling, but that's the peshat in the pasuk. Yeshchenna, but that's the statement. That's it. So Ben Sira is not so bad. It's got a lot of wisdom. The point is, try to get past the anxiety and the worrisome way of life. So that's the Gemara, but we have a dirashah about what that yashchena can be read as. Because yashchena, if we switch the direction of the shin to being a sin, it will be yashchena. Siach means speech. Yashchena means to bring down. Siach means speech. So maybe the interpretation of if there's worry in the heart and mind of a person, what's yasihena? One opinion says, you should take it off of your mind. Try to get it out. Try to uproot that worry. Hadamar, here's the most psychologically compelling line. You should talk to others about it. That was an amazing statement. I didn't know that this was, you know, and maybe it wasn't a reality back then. I thought it was somewhat of a modern convention. That when you have issues, it's best to talk them through. That's the statement. The statement of one of these two Amoraim, that if you're worried about something, speak it out with another person. Either try to get it off your mind in some way, shape or form, or talk to another about it. Rather, maybe the issue with the book Ben Sirai is, Mishum Dichtiv, the statement in Ben Get the masses out of your house. Make certain that they're, Rashi says, uh, the people who don't have business in your house, don't just open it up for anyone. Even those who you do business, who you're involved with in some more intimate way, make certain that they're not entering into your house that much. Maybe you can meet with them outside of your house. 
Maybe that's the issue. Ben Sira has it wrong. We're supposed to invite everyone in. Our house is supposed to be open to all. The Harbina Me Amara says Abayer. We have a statement from Rabbi, Rabbi Huda Hanasi. Our main guy, the author, the editor of our Mishnayot, he has a similar statement. The Tanya, after all, Rabbi has said in the Beraita, stated in the Beraita, Rabbi Omer, You should not have too many friends in your home. It's only asking for certain troubles. It's not to say you shouldn't invite people in. It's not to say that you shouldn't have an open door. It's that you shouldn't overdo it. The Pasuk says that if you have too many friends, too present, it'll bring to lehitro'ea to some sort of ra'a, some sort of a potential evil. Ela mishum. Rather, the problem with this book, Ben Sira, is because of this strange, ridiculous statement. What does it say? Dichtiv zeldakan kurteman. Rashi explains, zeldakan means a person whose beard is thin and, and weak. Their beard. That person, kurteman. He's a smart person. He's wise. Avdekan, if there's beard instead, avdekan, it's compound word, is, um, is thick, sachsechan, they're a yo-yo, they're, they don't know better, they're wasting their time. Uh, the understanding, by the way, is that if you're a wise person, you have your hands and your beard at all times, and as a result, you've thinned your beard. If you're a person who's not thinking that much, so your hand is not playing with your beard, as a result, it's strong. Dinafah bekaseh lasaheh. Uh, so the last statement over here is a person who who blows on their on the foam of their wine blows it off. They're not actually thirsty, which makes sense. If you're really thirsty, you want the wine to drink. You're not cl- clearing off. It says beer in there. Interesting. All right. Yeah, I guess foam isn't beer more than wine. That makes sense. Uh, anyways, you're not. I don't know. I had wine in mind. Uh, so if, if you're alternatively, Rashi just says because so I hear you. Uh, so, if, if, so then you're not all that thirsty. You're not doing it to quench your thirst. Amar b'may echul lahma. Lastly, says the book Ben Sira, in what we're suggesting is a ridiculous statement. If a person says, "What am I going to eat my bread with?" You're already talking about what to eat your bread with. In such a circumstance, you know about this person. He's not hungry. Take the bread away from him. He doesn't need the bread. He walked into your home and he's asking, what am I going to eat the bread with? He's already full. He's just enjoying the ride over here. A person who has a division, a split in their beard. You know, the beard that goes one way to the right and the other way to the left instead of all coming down. The entire world cannot stand up to him. It's a person who's scheming, suggests Rashi. It's a person who's got their hand in their beard so much, they're not just playing, they're scheming constantly. It is the vision in certain cartoons, as I recall. The evil guy has the split beard, not only the goatee. That's the split beard. Maybe there's some sort of ancient wisdom on that. As says the Gemara, that's, as Abayet Rav Yosef, that's my problem, perhaps, with the book Ben Sira. Is that your problem, Rav Yosef? Amar Rav Yosef, says Rav Yosef, Mile me'alieta itbe. You should know that was my issue. That sort of verse, which talks about the nature of beards, not such wise words, not so. However, you should know, says Rav Yosef, I will admit that the mileme alieta, the matters of, of high value, the matters that are real wisdom in the book Ben Sira, we are Doresh them. For example, Isha toba matana toba. Behek yere Elohim. 
Tinaten excuse me. So the, the statement is Isha Tova, a good woman, is Matana Toba. That's a uh, that's that's a that's quite a present. It's a wonderful present. tinaten. She should be given. She should find a husband who's God fearing. This wonderful woman. On the flip side, if it's an evil woman, saraat Says the book Ben Sira. She is leprosy to her husband. Maitakante. How are you going to fix a woman who's a terrible presence? You got beto. You should divorce her. Send her out of your home. And in turn, you'll be cured from that sarat. Lastly, Isha Yafa says in uh, Ben Sira, a woman who's, who's Yafa, who's, who's beautiful, how, how lucky is her husband. His life will feel like it's doubled in time just because she's a pleasant person to be around, to be, uh, to be uh, in, pre- in her presence. Move your eyes away from a woman who's married. Pentilaked bim sudata, because perhaps you'll be caught in her trap. Altet etzil baala lim soch imoyayin veshechar. Don't get involved with a beautiful woman's husband just to get, drink wine and beer with him because you think that you're just edging in and just looking for kibetor isha yofia rabim hushatu vatsumim kol harugeha. Because uh, in those circumstances, beautiful woman, many people have died. They've encountered difficulty with the husband of that wife through involvement. Lastly, literally, the last part of the statement in Ben Sira, which Rav Yosef is praising, is Rochel is a person who's a merchant. He's selling jewelry around the town, around different towns, entering into the homes of women. And as he's selling the jewelry to them, he'll be beaten up by their husband who seized him uh, together with them. People who are, are regular to matters of erva, promiscuity, sexual wrongdoings, they think it's just a joke, they think it's just a reference, it's just a tiptoeing into it. It's a nitzot, it's, it's a spark with a gachelet, with a coal. It appears to be small and insignificant. Ultimately speaking, it'll be a ravaging fire. Amen, amen.